going on guys? Welcome back to Pure Evil MMX. I am so happy for this new episode now that we are over the 200 mark. We actually have had some pretty interesting guests coming back on Pure Evil MMA. Now our next guest, I have to say I am so excited for and I've been waiting to get him on for a, a very long time now. Matter of fact, me and him have talked at shows before and uh, this is going back uh, maybe four or five years now where... Uh, he actually came up to me and told me that I, I was doing a great job. So without any further time wasted here, I'd like to welcome the legendary Brian Miner. What's going on, Brian? How you doing? Good, Eddie. What's going on, man? It's going good, man. And like I was just saying, for the, for those people out there that aren't familiar with who you are, maybe they, they never watched an MMA fight in their entire life. Well, you actually not only are a referee in MMA, Muay Thai, combat sports, but you're also into judging. We have a lot to talk about. Now, before we even start anything uh, with this, man, you've been doing this for almost a decade now, right? You've been about 10 years, and you started when you were 8 years old in the mixed martial arts scene. Is that correct? I started, uh, well, it was more karate and kickboxing back then, but yeah. Yeah, you know what's crazy? Like, back then, like, how old are you right now? Like, in, uh, I'll be 43 in April. Okay, so yeah, when you were young, there was no mixed martial arts. Like you said, there was karate schools or Muay Thai or kickboxing school. Nowadays, it's all one place. So, you know, let, let's start from the very, very beginning. You're <laughs> eight years old. What got you interested in, uh, you know, mixed martial arts? Well, back then, it was just karate. So I just wanted to be able to protect myself and... um you know, I was uh, living in a rough area, and my parents wanted to make sure I was uh, able to defend myself and teach me a little bit of uh, discipline, also. I was kind of a kind of an unruly kid. Well, this is Connecticut, right? Yeah, in, in Connecticut. Yep. Isn't it crazy how misunderstood Connecticut is? Like a lot of people out there think Connecticut's like this rich state with a, a bunch of snobby people, and yeah, like every other state, there are areas where there's people like that, but there's a lot of you know, like I'm from New Haven. This is the third most dangerous city per capita in America. And people don't realize that. And one thing that I, I think is really evolved in the last decade or, or, or 20 years is, you know, seeing a lot of these schools combine into one. So when did you start, you know, getting into karate? Like, what was it that made you, you know, other than trying to protect yourself? Was there a show? Was there movies or anything that was like, all right, this is kind of badass? Uh, definitely there was movies. I mean, a lot of movies uh, kind of influenced my life. And then, um, you know, knowing that there was a karate school close to me within Norwich and my parents saying, okay, you can go. And, then, uh, you know, that was probably pretty cool. So I started uh, you know, eight years old with uh, Master Peter Rogers. And what was, you say karate, but what is it, a Koba Ryu? Uh, is that how you say yeah, it? Koba Ryu. It's a, a combination of styles of Korean, Okinawan, Burmese, and American um, style. So it was uh, a little bit of everything. So let's move forward in the timeline. You get to about 15, 16 years old. Where's your direction heading right now? You're like, you're in high school, I'm guessing. Uh, yep. You've been in the mixed martial art or, or the karate school for a few years now. Where did you see your life heading at that point? Uh, well, back then, kickboxing was really big. So I started kickboxing, doing um, training and then doing uh you know, back then it was gym against gym. You know, they call them smokers nowadays, but we do uh, make little uh, exhibition fights and stuff. And so that, that's kind of where I thought I was going to be. You know, get get on the 
national karate team or something and then uh make it a big make it as a big kickboxer but that, that never panned out so actually as the couple years went on there when did refing come into play when, when did this opportunity represent itself to you how, how did you follow down that path um in uh about 2006 uh there was the a lot of shows happening in new england but um there were some complaints because the shows that were being done were overseen by the promoter or you know close friends of the promoter so you'd have referees and judges they were um, either from that school and then you'd have people fighting from that school so uh, what happened is uh, they allowed third-party sanctioning bodies to come in basically if you were the promoter you would hire a third-party sanctioning body to come up and oversee your fight so they would hire the third-party sanctioning body would hire the referees and judges and timekeepers and the inspectors so I started working for one of them uh, called the USKBA out of New Jersey now, is this before they had any, like, athletic commissions? Well, yeah, only a few places actually had commissions at that time. But it's before, like, um, it's before any commission started overseeing uh, mixed martial arts. So when did they start really putting their foot down? And uh, because a lot of people out there, like, they don't understand. The UFC, Bellator, these promotions, they don't pick the refs they don't pick the judging it's actually the state athletic commission so exactly. when did they start putting their foot down and developing uh their program well it depends on where you're talking about so different states had uh commissions already uh overseeing you know mma for a little while i think um you know alabama i believe uh new jersey um uh, Mohegan, they all started overseeing MMA at a much earlier stage than some of the other commissions. But most of the New England commissions came online and started overseeing MMA in like 2010. So a lot of people out there that have been following mixed martial arts for a long time, they're very familiar with who, you know, a lot of the bigger name referees like Big John McCarthy, who was yep. doing it since, you know, the early UFC years. Now, I got to ask you this question. What do you think has been the most improved part about refing and mixed martial arts? Oh, boy. Um, the most improved part about refing, I just think that, uh, well, you're starting to see a lot more shows of it. You know, a lot more shows out there. Um, and it gives the refs a lot of chance, a lot more chances to see different things that's happened in the ring. Um, that's what makes a, a great ref from a kind of mediocre ref, is your experience. Yeah, no matter what school you go to, like I went to EMT school, they make you go to the hospital or, or ride along with the ambulance. Broadcasting school, they want you to go to you know News Channel 8 and get that, that time in there. But do you guys also do classes and stuff? I, I know that John has like, a, and Herb, they do classes or or uh, like a workshop. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you guys do that for, you know, the other organizations or guys that are coming up trying to learn? And, and do you do that yourself? Like after an event, do you go back and watch, uh, you know, some of your calls and, and see how you can improve yourself? Oh, always. I always go back and look at what I've done. Um, but yeah, as far as courses and stuff, uh, you know, there's the ABC uh, training course that you have to take just to be considered to uh, be hired by the commission. So our local guy here in, um, in New England is Kevin McDonald. Yeah, you know, he's nice. a great ref himself. Um, he's probably one, of the, I, I would say he's one of the best refs out there. Um, 
He uh, so actually he's the guy I went through to get all my training done, to get my courses done, and with those certificates is what you you use to get hired by the commission. So this is like uh, any other school. Like I said, it's it's kind of like an EMT school. Like all right, say for instance. We have listeners tuning in right now that might be 15, 16, even, you know, 25 years old, and they want to get into it. Do they need to have a mixed martial arts background? And, and uh, you know, if they don't, should they? Well, it, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. They should have some kind of combat or sport background, you know. Um, they got to know what it's like to be in there. They also need to know submissions. That's part of the... Um, the uh, course that you take um part of the course is not only written you're also watching you know particular fights but you also have to demonstrate moves like you know how to put on a rear naked choke what's going to happen if you put on a triangle you know all these different the, most of the common moves that you're going to see and that makes a lot of sense because when you're in there and somebody has a submission hold on on somebody you know you, you need to know how to disassemble it you need to know how to get them out of it if they're not letting go like, you guys exactly. have the fighters' lives in your hands. It's a lot of responsibility. Exactly. So right now, like, what are you, what's your background? Before we jump back into, you know, how people get into it, what's your background? Uh, you know, you started at eight years old. Are you still currently doing classes? Are you still learning, evolving inside the martial arts scene? Oh, yeah, I'm still, um, I'm still training. I, uh, I go to JITS, um, you know, three days a week. Um, I'm in the uh, I'm in the dojo uh, also three days a week teaching karate and uh, participating in kickboxing class. Sometimes I just hit the bags of my own. And oh yeah, I'm still training constantly. You're actually a trainer yourself, right? At Rogers Academy. Yeah, I'm one of the teachers. Yes. And you actually have a lot of students underneath you that have accomplished some amazing things. So really quick, just throw out a tag of if people are in the area here in Connecticut, where can they go find your classes? Uh, they can come to us over at uh, Rogers Academy of Mixed Martial Arts on, uh, on off of Route 12 in Gales Ferry. Uh, we're at 7 Herbutt Road, uh, right behind the CVS. All right, so jumping back into the talk of our listeners or whoever that wants to get into mixed martial arts refing, is it kind of the same for judging, or how does judging go? Because you do both. Not only do you, are you a ref, but most recently you've you've you know broken down a wall into the judging aspect of it. Is it kind of the I, same thing? Yeah, actually, I started off as a judge. Oh wow, really? Yeah, I actually started off as a judge. I was hired by the uh, local commissions as a judge uh, back in 2010. And actually from 2010 to 2013, I um, I did very little refing. I did more judging than anything. You know, what's the, but, uh, what's, okay. what's the biggest difference of, you know, learning to, because it's pretty much the same. Like a judge has to know what's going on in there, what uh, a fighter's doing if they're on the ground and transitions and stuff like that. So is it kind of similar in that way of, you know, learning, preparing to be a judge, like preparing to be a, a ref? Yeah, it's, it's very similar. I mean, uh, the courses differ a little bit because um, uh, the uh, physical part of it, you're going to still have to be able to know all the submissions. Um, you need to be able to recognize all the submissions. Uh, but when you get into the reffing part of it, it's going to be a little bit different because you do a little bit of in-cage type of scenarios. They set up different scenarios for you said, um, and what you're going to do if this particular thing happens or that particular thing happens. So it's, uh, but the courses, um, you know, they're, they're, 
they're usually taught by the same people. Like Kevin does both courses. So if you want to become a judge, you know, reach out to Kevin McDonald or, or a referee, reach out to Kevin McDonald for the ABC licensed um, courses. Now you go through the course. How do you how do you get your license? What do you have to do to actually get that certificate? Do they have you go to, you know, a smoker or a smaller event? Because it's pretty risky to throw somebody in there. So how do yeah. they get their certificate? No, no, no. You, you, you get your certificate that day. You take the course, you get your certificate. Um, but then the commission, you have to put in for a license with the commission. And then it's up to the commission if they want to hire you. Typically, they might ask you to go to um, the shadow. They might ask you to come to a couple of shows first, shadow, see how you do, before they put you actually in the judge's seat or in the cage. Now, how do they go about picking who's going to be on a car? Because... You know, somebody like you who's been in the game for so long, we've seen you, you know, judge some of the biggest cards this, even this year. So how do they go about picking uh, who's going to be on the card? Does it really go by like the area that you're in? Because I realize, like, you know, when I'm at Lion Fight, you're always at Lion Fight or CES, you're always at CES. So does it go by area to area or how do they go about it? It's, it's really just up to the commission. Um, none of us really know who uh, is going to get what assignment until you get an email or a call. So it's just, it, I really don't know how they pick, um, to be honest with you. It's just, you know, you hope for that call to come through or that email to come through. Man, you guys go on Thank for so long. And one thing I think is really impressive is how much you guys travel. Can you list off some of the places that you've got to visit, uh, you know, being able to do this job and, and the payoffs of, you know, traveling? What are some of the places you got to see? Uh, I mean, you know, I've been all the way from California to... Uh, been in Detroit, um, and then overseas. I've been lucky enough, very, very, very lucky to be able to go overseas. You know, I've been to Rome, um, Tel Aviv, Israel, you know, Italy a couple of times, uh, you know, Dublin, Ireland. So I can't complain, and things have been really, really good. Yeah, it, it sounds so exciting to be a part of, you know, the scene has really blown up in the last 10 years, and right now there's a lot of exciting things going on. So I always celebrate when I see you on TV or I see even Dan Mergliata, who's another guy from here in Connecticut that, uh, you know, he, he's so friendly. So really quick for people out there to get a little educated on what you guys do come fight night. What does the day look like? You, you show up at a fight event. What, what is your agenda? What do you have to do? Um, uh, well, let me just, uh, Dan's from Jersey actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good friend of mine. I love Dan. So Dan, Dan does an awesome job. And what uh, one thing I love about it is that I can, if I have any questions, I can call any of the top referees or judges, um, around that are the, the busiest, you know, which is awesome. Uh, typical fight night. Uh, we normally get to the venue. We'll get our assignments from the commission. We don't get them ahead of time. Uh, so we don't know who we have. Um, if you're judging, you also get your assignments at the same time. So you, you, uh, kind of look at the card. We'll kind of make sure that there's no um, problems with it. Make sure that, you know, there's no close friends or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and you guys have to go backstage, to right, and talk to the fighters before What's a fight that? that... You guys have to go backstage and talk to the fighters uh, before yeah, you judge them, right? with the commission, we, uh, we run back and we talk to... You know, it depends. Depends on where you're at and what show you're doing. Sometimes it's a group interview and some uh, group meeting with them, with all of them, and kind of go over the rules. Or then, uh, or you might meet with individuals and kind of go over the 
we don't go over every rule of the unified rules of mixed martial arts. We kind of go over the big stuff and how um, I or a different referee might dictate how to how that fight's going to work. Now, there's there's a lot of fighters out there that, uh, and and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but you know, fighters have told me before in the past, like when the refs go backstage, and even refs have told me this. Uh, sometimes a fighter will be like, man, if you see me in a tough situation where I'm getting choked or uh, I'm about to get knocked out, let me ride it out a little bit because, you know, a lot of the times I'll recover. If a fighter says that to you, do you, do you, do you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt or do they get fair treatment? Because, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people like to complain when uh, situations like that happen. So uh, what do you do to deal with, with, with something like that? Uh, yeah, a lot of fighters will say that, but you want to treat everything the same. You know, you don't want to compromise one fight for another. Exactly. So you do want to kind of treat, you know, particular situations the same. I mean, if it's a pro fight, you're going to give them every chance possible to get out of that choke, right? Or every chance possible to get out of that submission. Um, you're going to, you're going to let them go. Let them go until they either tap out, go to sleep, or something breaks. That's a pro fight, but... An amateur fight, you're not going to give it as much time as you would a pro, right? Um, amateur fights, I would rather stop that fight early than see something get broken. Now, right? all- that, that is the worst thing. I don't want that to happen. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you guys literally have these guys' lives in your in your hands. It's a, it's a big responsibility. Now, usually on a card, we see, on, on bigger cards, I should say, there's usually like four or five refs throughout the night. What are you guys doing in between fights? Um, it all depends. You know, sometimes it depends on where we are. Sometimes you could be judging. Sometimes if you if you do both, if you're licensed to do both, um, sometimes you're the onside referee. So you're there watching the fight, making sure nothing's happening within the case that the other referee would need help with. Um, you're collecting the cards from the judges uh, in between rounds. Or if you're uh, if we have enough referees, somebody's usually in back talking to their fighters and going over the rules. Now, really quick, I got to ask you this question. A couple years ago, MMA was finally legalized in New York. What did that mean to you? Oh, I thought it was great. I mean, for me, it was just another opportunity. You know, put put my licenses in New York or, um, and other commissions and see what happens, you know. And you actually got to, uh, I think you judged this card, uh, UFC 230, man. What was it like to just sit there in front of a New York crowd? Did you kind of take it all in? What did that moment mean to you as a ref to see the sport evolve after all these years, since you were eight years old, to be a part of it and sit there? What did, what did that moment feel like? Uh, it, every moment feels awesome. Just to be... Just to know where I started from and uh, knowing that this was, you know, part of my dream was to, you know, be able to referee next to John McCarthy or be able to talk to him, you know, on a professional basis like this. Or, you know, the top refs, the top judges, just to be able to be next to them or be cage side. um, Every fight that I go to, every show that I do, I always have the same feeling like this is this is awesome. This I have the best seat in the house. This is, it doesn't get any better than that for a sport that I love. And before we end this interview, man, I really got to say, uh, when, when I first started in podcasting, when I first, I think I was going through broadcasting school at the time, I went to my very first line fight card and I saw you there and you actually came up to me and, and told me that, 
You're a big supporter of Pure Evil May podcast, and I got to tell you how much that meant to me to to hear that from you, and how friendly you were, and and how friendly Dan was. It's uh, it, it's so nice to see, uh, you know, guys like you that, you know, when I when I first started, I used to see you on TV, and when you came up to me, man, I got to say that meant a lot to me, and it was such a reassurance that I was doing the right thing. So I really want to thank you for that. It uh, it, it meant more than you know. Oh, man, I want to thank you for keep doing a good job and do your interviews. I listen to your podcast all the time, so, you know, just keep doing your thing. Brian, really quick before I let you go, uh, last question for anyone that's listening that might be interested in starting refing or judging. What do they have to do to apply? Where can they go to uh, start this process? Well, first of all, um, hit up your uh, uh, local trainer. Uh, ABC certified trainer um, in this area. That would be uh, Kevin McDonald. Um, look up his website. See if he has any classes available. Um, in the meantime, if there's no classes available, go to shows. That would be the best thing. Go to shows. You know, uh, go to gyms. Watch everybody. Train yourself. That that also helps. Um, but yeah, first you have to get the courses done. Then after that, you would put in for your local commission, depending on whatever state you're in. Um, that would be the commission that you put in for. And uh, you put in for your license and wait. You just have to wait and see if you can get hired for a show. Sometimes they might ask you to uh, to um, shadow, which is no big deal. It, everyone puts in their own time, you know. It is it is on your own time to go shadow a fight, but it's worth it. In the end, it will be worth it. And really quick, this is actually my last question. It just popped up in my head. Is there an age limit for refing? Like, do they? is there a cutoff? That they, they, they make you retire like 80 years old, or does does it not matter? As long as you're physically able to keep up, you're still able to, you know, uh, disable submissions and uh, what have you. Is there an age limit or no? There, there's not that I know of, no. I mean, uh, as long as you're physically able to be in there and um, you're able to, you know, do what you just said, rip apart some submissions, make sure you can get. You know, you, you gotta be able to get two huge monsters away from each other. Yeah. You know, you're gonna stick, you're gonna stick your arm, stick yourself in between them. You need to be physically able to do that. So I think if you're able to do that, then you know, keep on doing it. Brian, I want to thank you so much for coming on Pure Evil MMA. Finally, we've been talking about this every time I see you. We we talk about having you on the show for the past you know four or five years now. So it really means a lot. And you know what we like to do at this stage in the interview? I hand the imaginary microphone over to you. If you have any shout outs, uh, sponsors, anything at all, including your social media tags, the floor is now all yours. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know, there's a couple of guys I want to thank. Uh, first of all, I want to thank. Um, Peter Rogers Sr. for uh, starting me off on this journey. He really did. Uh, a couple other guys I want to thank. I'll thank them in person, but also um, all the top, you know, judges out there and the referees out there. Um, you know, we are really a, a community, and we do we do take every single fight seriously. Um, you know, I know sometimes there's some. Uh, People might differ on that, on how some of the decisions are made or stuff like that, but we do take our job seriously. And then I want to thank every fighter that gets out there because, you know, people might always ask me, you know, who do you have a, do you have a favorite fighter? And I tell them, well, no, I don't. I, I, my favorite fighter is anybody that steps in that ring or that cage. You know, without them, there's no show. Without them, there's no reason for any of us to be around. So I want to thank everybody out there. That, and all the fans of MMA, kickboxing, Muay Thai. 
let's uh let's support our sports Brian, I want to thank you so much, man. It really does mean a lot that you came on the show. So make sure to go follow Brian on Twitter at BrianMinerMMA. All the tags and links are right down below. Brian, enjoy the rest of your day, man. And I hope to see you at the next Lion Fight or Bellator card coming up. Uh, God bless. Thanks, Eddie. You too, man. And really quick, can you just say, hey, guys, it's Brian Miner, and you're listening to Pure Evil MMA? Sure. Ready? Yep. Hey guys, it's Brian Miner, and you're listening to Pure Evil MMA. Thanks, Brian. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too, man. Thanks. There you guys go. I love talking to the refs. He's not the first ref that I've had on the show, but he's uh, the closest relationship I have with a ref. Like I said, uh, me and Brian's relationship go way back. Every time I'm at a show, he'll either walk out of the cage, walk out the ring, come up to me, and we'll chat for a couple minutes, and... Uh, like I said, man, the first time that he did that, I was, I was starstruck. I was blown away. Here I was, uh, in broadcasting school. I just started things up. It was like my fifth or sixth card that I, I got credentialed for. And here's Brian Miner walking up to me. I was like, is he coming towards me? He comes up to me, puts his hand around my back and, and he came up and just told me that he's a big supporter of pure evil MMA and, uh. It was such a reassurance to me that I was doing the right thing and it, it felt so special. And if you're somebody that even a fighter or a ref, whatever, a coach, and you share that little bit of information with somebody that you've been following their work and you have no idea what that means to, to somebody that's grinding. Every, I wake up every day grinding, excited about what news is going to break. Uh, what fight I'm going to cover next. Uh, what's going to happen? Because if you guys follow Pure Evil MMA, you guys uh, I've realized since last year, I started sharing the experience with you. Yeah, you guys may tune into the fights on TV, but there's so much more that goes on. There's a whole other movie that goes on behind the scenes. And I wanted to capture that. And I wanted to share that with my audience and MMA fans. So I started... I call it a fight companion, a real fight companion, because what I do is I bring my GoPro, which is over there, I bring my GoPro with me to an event, UFC, Bellator, a World Series of Fight, uh, PFL, I should say, uh, Lion Fight, what have you, CES, and I show you guys what the adventure is like from a media member standpoint, uh, talking with the media members on press row, the little things that happen in between. Uh, every time I go to a show, man, it's like a family reunion. It feels so good. There, there's nothing better than that. When I die, these are going to be my favorite memories of life is those moments. And I'm so happy that I can share those with you. I'm so happy that I can have somebody like Brian Miner, one of the biggest names in MMA refing, come here on Pure Evil MMA and share his knowledge with you guys. It means a lot. It really does mean a lot that he took time out of his day to share that with you guys. So I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify. We're also on YouTube. I'm trying to grow the YouTube channel up. And that's where you can actually find the Fight Companions. It's in a playlist. So go to YouTube.com slash Pure Evil May. Go to iTunes and just simply search Pure Evil May. Go to Google. Search Pure Evil MMA. It's going to pop up. You can follow me on.